Jesus, you said that you were searching for a people who will worship you in spirit and truth. And we know there are so many things in this world that break your heart. And we've come on the first day of the week because we love you. And we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for life and breath. Lord, thank you for saving us and washing our sins away and giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Lord, there were ten lepers who were healed and only one came back. Lord, we're here to say thank you. Thank you, thank you for being so good to us. Lord, we're thankful for Vacation Bible School coming up. Your word says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, raise up workers excited about welcoming children and sharing the gospel. And may many children come to faith, and may you work up through the children into the hearts of their parents. Lord, we are a needy people, and we're about to open your word. And as we open your word, Holy Spirit, fall fresh. Help us to see Jesus. Win lost people and, and, and build believers and equip workers. Oh, Lord, we're praying for revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us, revive us, and, and may that overflow into our community, into a great spiritual awakening. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's good to remember why we gather together. Our, our purpose as a church, would you say this with me? Is to make disciples together. And to help you with that, on your seat there is a new study for the month. It will not help make disciples if you leave it on your seat. Uh, please pick it, pick it up. There's a place in there for message notes. There's, uh, we'd love to invite you. We're reading through John right now. Join us as we're reading through John. It's so good to read God's Word together. Uh, there's a place for our small group uh, lesson is in there. Pick one up and take it with you. And we believe that making disciples begins and ends with evangelism. And so this week, we're really excited that we saw one person come to faith in Christ. And when we put our faith in Christ, then Jesus moves into us. And when Jesus moves into us, he says to us, follow me. And so what we're going to be learning about today, we're going to be learning how as disciples and disciple makers, we can follow Jesus. If you want to be a little more theological, uh, the theological word for following Jesus is the word sanctification, is the sanctification. And so in, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, the shorter catechism, question 35, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and to live into righteousness. So sanctification, it's all about grace, that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to us so that in our minds and emotion and will, we're formed more and more into the image of Christ. We're enabled to die into sin and to live into righteousness. So if you'd like to follow Jesus, if you would... Um, if you would like to grow in sanctification, I have some really, really good advice for you. It's really good advice. It's from a very reliable source, uh, El Potro um, Restaurant. 
So, so, so do you want to you wanna be sanctified? Well, exhale negativity and inhale tacos. Isn't that great advice? I, I, Karen and I saw that. I had to stop and get a picture of it. And I thought that was so good. But you know what really is good? If you go to, in crew, crew says the way we grow is we exhale sin and we inhale the Spirit. That we confess our sins and we exhale and then we inhale the Spirit and that's good, isn't it? And that's what we're going to learn about today. What we're going to learn about today, the point of today's message, is to put off the old life. That if we really want to follow Jesus, the old life, the old deeds and thoughts and words, we put them off. Why? So that we can put on a whole new way of living. Oh, man. The next few weeks are going to be so good. We're going to take one week today, and we're going to look at how to put off the old life the old deeds, the old words, the old thoughts, and then we're going to spend the next several weeks learning how to put on the new life. Man, we're going to learn how to put on a heart of compassion. We're going to learn how to put on a heart of love, to put on peace. That's what we're going to be learning in the next few weeks. And as I thought about that, it made me think about my wife, Karen, that we have six kids. And uh, so there were eight of us in a house and so if you got a new shirt, if you had a new shirt, you had to take an old shirt and give it away or, or throw it away because you couldn't bring everything in the house because then the house would fill up. And so what you would do is you'd get, to get something new, you had to put something out, then you could put something new in the closet. And it's like that in the Christian life. It's just like that. If we're going to follow Jesus, there's certain things that we put off so that we can put on a whole new way of living. Um, If you're new, uh, we're walking through the book of Colossians, and the reason we're walking through Colossians is it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And uh, so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians 3, Colossians 3, and previously... Remember last week, previously on Colossians, last week we learned to to gaze at Jesus and glance at our circumstances, to gaze at Jesus and glance at our circumstances. And this week, someone sent me this email, and I love when people remember on Monday what we talked about on Sunday. Uh, Look at this. This is what they sent me. I've been told that when you take race car driving lessons, the first thing they teach you is never look at the wall. The car goes toward what you focus on. Even if the car spins out of control, always look at the road where you want the car to go. It's basic psychology. You get what you focus on. And isn't that what we learned last week? That if we want to follow Jesus, we need to gaze at Jesus, right, and glance at our circumstances. It's true about driving. Is that You're driving down the interstate, and it's all good until that construction wall comes out to your lane, right? And then what? all of a sudden, then the, what, the road feels narrower. It's not narrower, but our eyes are off. The road. Oh. Listen. When we focus our eyes on Jesus, that's where we steer our lives. Now, that's what we learned last week. And hopefully last week you you really practiced gazing at Jesus. I did, and it really helped me to follow him. So now we're ready to jump into today. Colossians 3, verse 5. Therefore... And we've been learning that whenever you see therefore, you ask, what is that there, therefore? And uh, so it says, therefore, because we've learned to gaze at Jesus. We see Jesus 
at the right hand of God interceding for us. We see that Jesus is our life. We see that we're on the winning team. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, your eyes, your hands, your mouth. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Um, I read that, maybe asked the question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's heard the gospel, right? A Christian is someone who's understood the gospel, right? A Christian is someone who's believed the gospel, right? And gospel means good news, but, but it has bad news, doesn't it? I mean, in Romans 3, uh, verse 23, would you read this with me? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, you can do better. Let's say it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who does the Bible say has sinned? All of us. Now, the word sin means a crime against God, and it can be things that we do. Like if we disobey our parents, that's something we do. It's a crime against God. If we steal something, that's something that we do. It's a crime against God. You ever done anything wrong? But it's not just what we do, it's what we say. That if we use God's name in vain, that's a crime against God. Or the Bible says, if we call someone an idiot. Anybody in here drive? You ever call someone an idiot? You know what the Bible says? That when we say horrible things about others, that that's a crime against God. So it's something that we do. It could be something we say. It could be something that we think. That, that if we're filled with lust or anger or jealousy or envy, that these are sins of our thoughts. And so the Bible says that all of us have sinned against God, things that we've done, said, and thought. And because we've sinned against a God who's just, the Bible says we're in big trouble. In Romans 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know what a wage is? It's, it's what you get paid to do something, right? And so if God gave us what we deserve for our sin, it would be what? It would be death. And I want you to know that's eternal death. It's not just physical death where our bodies and spirits are separated from one another. But it's separation from God and from all good things. So the bad news of the gospel is we've committed crimes against God, deeds, words, and thoughts, and, and what we deserve is hell. And once we understand the bad news, the, the, the good news is really good. See, for the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Don't you love free gifts? I mean, in life, we have a choice. We can get what we deserve, or we can get something so much better. In Jesus, we get the free gift of eternal life. Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then He went to the cross, and He took our sin and he took our wages and he died in her place on the cross for our sins once and for all, right? And he cried out, it's finished. He died. And then the third day, the third day he rose from the grave, proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers us eternal life. He offers to forgive us our sins. He offers to move into our lives so that we can do life and eternity with him. Has Jesus moved into you? Oh, the verse that changed my life was Revelation 3.20. Uh, where, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Man, I'll never forget. I, I just heard Jesus knocking, saying, Listen, I want to move in. Have you invited him in? 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus said, you're a mess and, and I want to move into you and forgive you. Let's do life together and let's do eternity together. And that was the greatest offer I had ever heard. Have you taken him up on that offer? You see, the way we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, it really is as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Man, I admitted Jesus. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you never have, won't you? And then I believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and then I, I committed to him and won't you? Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. It's so good to go to bed at night forgiven, wouldn't you like to? And then I also said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to take over, and from this day forward, as you give me strength, I'll follow you, won't you? Huh. Um, won't you admit and believe and commit? You can do that right now. Or As I close in prayer, I'll give you that opportunity. Okay, so what is a Christian? A Christian is a believer. What is a Christian? A follower of Christ. Someone who said, Jesus, move in, and I want to follow you. What is a Christian? Here's another one. A Christian is someone in whom Jesus lives. Did you know that if you're a Christian, Jesus has moved into you? To live his life in and through you. Don't you see that? Listen, if anyone hears my voice uh, and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. That, listen, for over 50 years, I have been walking with Jesus who lives in me, right? And he says, follow me. Um, let, me let me show you that in, <clears throat> in Ephesians 3. Uh, you ever wonder how to pray for people? One of the best ways to pray for people is to pray the prayers of Scripture. And here is how Paul prayed for others. And, and it's a great way for us to pray. But notice what he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. So if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the moment you believed in Jesus, you were forgiven of all of your sins, and he gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the Holy Spirit. You know why he gave you the Holy Spirit? So you could be holy. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could follow Jesus. What the Holy Spirit does in our life is he, he gives us the desire and the power to put off the old life. He, he gives us the desire and power to put off the old life because we see how evil it is. And then he gives us the desire and the power to live a new life, to put on the new life because he shows us the beauty of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Christ living in our lives real. Do you see that? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in them so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you experience Christ living in your heart? Do you walk with him? Do you hear him saying, follow me? And that you being rooted and grounded in love. What changes everything in our life is when our hearts are satisfied with the love of Christ. Oh, look at this. That being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath. Oh, that we would know how wide God's love is. And length, he knew us before the foundation of the world. And he's going to finish his work. And how broad, how long is his love? Oh, and the height, listen, he calls us friend and brothers in depth. He, he reaches down to us while we're sinners and to know the love of Christ, 
which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. See, we, we put off the old life so that we can be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now, let's, let's go back uh, to the verses where it talked about Christ. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See that? Uh, when Jesus moves into your heart, you know what his intention is? You know what his intention is? It's to change everything in your life. Every single thing. He wants to change our actions. He wants to change our thinking. He wants to change our words. To me, it's kind of like, kind of like getting married. It is. I mean, when a wife moves into a home, what does she do? She begins to what? To throw out all your stuff, right? And to replace it with new stuff. You, you don't believe me? This week, I'm driving down my street, and I see all these homes that have a wreath on the front door. And here's my question to you. How many homes with a wreath on the front door have a woman living in the house? How many do you think? All of them, right? It's evidence that a lady lives there when there's a wreath on the door. I go into a lot of homes when there's decorative pillows everywhere on all the furniture. You know what? You know what? That a lady lives in the house. I see in my neighborhood big, strong men walking little foo-foo dogs. <laughs> what do you know? They're married to someone, right? You ever go through a house or through a neighborhood where they're remodeling a house and you see all the junk outside? Shouldn't people around us see that in their lives? Shouldn't our neighbors see us taking the old life and throwing it out, right? Isn't that what Jesus does? And then we throw out the old so that we can put in the new, right? That's what we're learning about today, how to take the old and, and, and put it out so that he can put in the new. Um, so back to where we started, consider the members of your earthly body as dead immorality. No mercy, no mercy, impurity, passion, and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Um, now I know some of you want me to tell you a story, and I'm going to tell it to you because it's so good. And some of you say, well, it's repetition. Well, some things are worth repeating. Um, one of my heroes is David Nicholas. He's gone to be with Jesus. And uh, he told a story once when he's 70 years old, he's playing golf with an 85-year-old man. And they're playing two young staff members from Spanish River Church. And after they play nine holes, uh, David and this 85-year-old guy, they're up about eight or nine strokes over the other two guys, and they say, should we spot them a few strokes to make the next nine holes more interesting? And this guy, who's 85 years old, every vein in his body pops out, his face turns red, and he says, stomp their necks! Oh. You know when our life will change? when we show no mercy to our sin and we stomp their necks, right? 
We stomp the necks of immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amount to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see how evil sin is, that these things are what will bring God's judgment on the sins of disobedience, and in which you also, remember, that's how you walked when you were living then before you met Jesus. Um, the Holy Spirit is given to us so we would hate evil and love what is good. Smiley, did you use the word hate? You, you ever walk around downtown St. Augustine? Have you ever walked and you see all these homes and they have a sign out front and the sign says what? Hate has no home here. You ever seen that? Whenever I see that, I'd like to ask the home, homeowner, is hate a bad word always? What do you think? Do you think hate's always a bad word? Anybody got a pulse here? Do you, do you think it is? No, because you might be surprised to know that God hates things. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 8, look at this verse. The fear of the Lord is what? To hate evil. Man, you know when we'll put off the old life? You know why? When, when we hate it. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And, and what does God hate? Pride and arrogance. Ooh, that's us, isn't it? And the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. How about in Proverbs 6? Uh, in Proverbs 6, there are six things which the Lord hates. Do we? Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, right, thinking we're better than others. A lying tongue. It's interesting, as we walk through the seven things, three of them are with the tongue. Um, could we say we live in a lying culture? Isn't that true? Don't we get infected by that? Isn't it good for us to remember that we're called to be different, right? A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Um, New Testament teaches the same thing. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at this verse, but examine everything carefully. Are we awake? Do we examine everything carefully? Do we, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, and then abstain from every form of evil. Uh, I want to share something with you. Jesus will free you from your enemies, but he will not free you from your friends. What? Jesus will free you from your enemies. Those sins in your life you hate, you will find supernatural power to overcome. But those sins in your life that are your friends, oh, they're not that bad. That's not that bad. It's not, you know what? You won't experience His freedom setting you free from those. So I love my wife, Karen. She sees everything through Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The reason we hate sin is we see that sin brings what? It brings death. But listen, but Jesus, following Jesus leads to life. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we see that the old life leads to death and the new life leads to life, that's when we put off the old life and, and put on the new, right? Um, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now, 
listen, we're new people. Christ is in charge now, right? I mean, he's, he's in charge. He says, follow me. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, uh, wrath, malice. Uh, those are all kind of in the thought life, right? And, and now we move to the mouth, right? And slander and abusive speech in your mouth. That um, when Jesus comes in, he's very concerned with the words that we use and, and our thoughts. So he tells us to put off thoughts and to, to put off words, right? Uh, did you know that Ephesians and uh, Colossians are, they're kind of sister epistles, sister letters. So in Ephesians 4... Verse 29, we read something very similar. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. It was many years ago. I'd been a Christian for a few months. I'm in a van, and we're driving up to Windy Gap to, to go to a Young Life camp, and I have a filthy mouth, and we stop at a gas station. And my Young Life leader takes me aside, and he opens up the Bible, and he reads this word. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And you know, I was a Christian, and the Holy Spirit lived in me. And when he exposed me to what the Scripture said, I was broken over my sin, that my mouth grieved God. And he said, listen, when we become Christians, we put off certain words, and then we put on new words, right? And, and isn't that what it says here? Let no... Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. Speak those things that build others up according to the need of the moment. It's necessary so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now listen to this next verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do we realize how personal sin is? That when we sin, we grieve God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And those are all onomatopoeias, aren't they? Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And I love the scriptures. They're so complete. Let all, right? Didn't say what? Let most? <laughs> oh, no mercy, right? So put all that off. Why? So we can put on the new life. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Well, how in the world could we possibly do that? Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Um, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Wow. Listen. We're to put off lying. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, don't you remember you're a Christian? Don't you remember you admitted and believed and said, Jesus, I want to follow you? So, so listen, don't go back and live like you did before and have put on the new self. You've said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Who is being renewed to a true knowledge of the, uh, of the, to the image of the one who created him. Um, remember who you are. You're a new person. You're a new person. Jesus is in charge now. Remember who you are. And even more important, remember whose you are. Whose you are. Are you a Christian? If, if you're a Christian, you, listen, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Jesus. Let me show you in 1 Corinthians 6. 
Uh, the Bible says, flee immorality. Do you know there's certain sins that wreck so many lives? The Bible doesn't say resist. It just says what? Run away. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Are you a Christian? I mean, in the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle, right? And, and then they had the temple, and, and, and then Jesus came. And you know where God dwells now? In you and me, that we're his temple. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Glorify God with your eyes, with your ears, with your mouth, with your hands, with your feet. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Back to Colossians, a renewal. We're putting on the new, we're putting on the new. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew. Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Did you know that, the, that in Corinth the, the people were divided? The, the people were divided. They were divided by race and class and status and education. Sounds a lot like what? Today, doesn't it? Don't we live in a divided world or culture divided by race and class and status and education? And so the Bible says that we're to put off that old way. We're not to look at people like the people in our culture does. We're to put that off. We're not to, to see people as our culture tells us to see people by race or class or status or education. Instead, we're to put on the new eyes to see people as Jesus does. And you know what we'll see then? We'll see how much we have in common with all people because as we see people, they're all made in God's image, all of them. You know what else we see? We're all scarred by sin, all of us, especially me. And you know what we see? That everyone needs Jesus. That's what everyone in our country needs more than anything. We all need Jesus and especially me. Um, so, so what have we learned so far that Jesus invites us to follow me? But to follow Jesus means that we put off the old life, right? We put off the old deeds and we put off the old words and the old thoughts so that we can put on a whole new way of living. So, um, guess what our action step is this week? Just guess, okay? What I want you to do is just to ask Jesus to help you put off the old life. Will, will you do that? Just... Jesus, help me to put off the old life. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, let's remember who? Jesus, right? The one who loves you. The one who loves you says, put off the old life. It's Jesus who calls us. That's why we want to do it. It's Jesus. Why? Why does he call us to put off the old life? Because he has so much better things in store for us. And we can't put on the new until we put off the old. And then, and then how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, it really is as simple as A and B and C. That's how we do it. It's the, it's the same ABCs as becoming a Christian. Uh, let me show you. When we have breakfast with Jesus or we come to a worship service and we meet Jesus and his word, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. 
and were involved in immorality or impurity or passion or evil desire or greed or idolatry, we admit it. We don't excuse it. We don't rationalize it. We don't blame others. We say, I've sinned. Will you? And then we believe. Jesus, I believe you can set me free. And then we commit. We ask Jesus, Jesus, set me free from the old life. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Listen, are we guilty of these? Then let's admit it, Lord, I've sinned. Let's believe Jesus. I believe you can set me free. Let's come in. Jesus, help me. Help me to put off the old life. Do not lie to one another. Do we need to admit that? Since you also laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self. Who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him? A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Are, are we guilty of seeing people the way our culture tells us to see people? Let's admit it. Let's not excuse it. Let's not rationalize it. Let's admit it. Lord, what I'm doing is wrong. And I believe that you can set me free. Lord, help me. Set me free from the old life. Help me to put off the old life. So let me ask you, as we've read through those lists, is there a sin in your life the Lord is calling you to put off? Will you admit, Lord, it's wrong? Will you believe, Jesus, I believe you can set me free? Will you commit? Jesus, Jesus, help me. Help me to put off the old, to put off the sin, will you? And listen, if, if you can't think of something, I want you to know I go through this a hundred times every day. Don't you? Of putting off the old and putting on the new, I realize that I'm bitter or unforgiving <laughs> or I'm filled with malice, or I'm jealous of someone else, and I stop and say, Lord, I've sinned. And uh, Lord, I believe you can set me free. And Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to, to, to put off the old life so that I can put on the new. Um, Jesus has a wardrobe for us. We can't even imagine, we're going to be learning about it in the next few weeks, the things He invites us to put on so much better than the way we've been living. But you know, we can't put on the new until we put off the old. And so this week, our focus is on putting off the old life so that next week, Next week, we can get together and see those wonderful new clothes that Jesus wants us to put on. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming into this messed up world to seek and save sinners. Thank you for dying and, and rising for us. Lord, thank you for offering us the greatest gift ever, eternal life, to be forgiven and to get to do life and eternity with you. And listen, if, if you've never received Jesus and his free gift, won't you? He's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, 
I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Tell someone you trusted Christ today. It'll make Jesus more real to you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who've received you that we would remember that you have come to live in us, and when you move in, you want to change everything in our lives. You want to throw out the old life, Lord. You want to throw out those, those old deeds, those old words, those old thoughts, so you can replace them with new words and new deeds and new thoughts. So right now, Holy Spirit, work among us. And listen, if there's something that you're involved in, won't you admit it to Jesus? And, and, and won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you can set me free? And, and won't you commit, won't you ask him, Jesus, help. Jesus, help. Jesus, help me to put off the old life. Lord, this week when we see the old life creeping back in, help us to admit and believe and commit. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.